0: Hello heroes and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and Game Master. I am so excited about this week's episode. First off, we're playing a game from my upcoming book, The Ultimate Micro RPG Book an anthology of 40 micro-games designed by talented people from all over the industry. And I happen to be playing Hammer of the Earth with the folks who designed it, who you might know from the Rusty Quill podcasting network. If you haven't heard of Rusty Quill, they do amazing both written and improvised podcasts, including Rusty Quill Gaming, Stellar Firma, and my all-time favorite horror anything, The Magnus Archives and they designed a role-playing game for the Ultimate Micro RPG book based on Snowpiercer. It is extremely cool, and I am very proud of how it turned out. Once again, we got Tracy Barnett coming in as the guest editor for these episodes. I just think everything came together so well, and I am so excited to present it to you. So uh, with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. Alright right, heroes, let's meet our party for this week. First up, we've got Sasha. Sasha, thank you so much for joining us on One Shot.
1: Hello, thank you very much for having me.
0: Uh, Sasha, do you have any plugs that you would like to share with our audience?
1: I do. Thank you so much for asking. So I am a games designer with MacGuffin and Company, a games design company, Mm. which I run with Johnny, but I don't want to give any spoilers about him. (laughs) So you can check. (laughs) You can share (laughs) one spoiler.
0: How's he going to die? (laughs) <laughs> oh my!
1: Uh, <laughs> I, I don't want that spoiler.
0: <laughs> oh no, it is far too late.
1: <laughs> so we mostly write like settings, little system-neutral worlds, and small campaigns that people can play in. And you can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com dot patreon dot com forward slash McGuffin and Company, or just at McGuffin and Co.
0: On Twitter. I really have to advise everybody to check out McGuffin and Co's stuff. There was a recent micro game that you uh, posted to Twitter that had like one of my favorite sets of <laughs> just like, "Ooh, this mechanic is so elegant and delightful. We'll talk more about your games later uh, because we're playing a game that you co-designed with everyone else on the show. And to, oh, yeah. to give us a hint, a, a, a clue, an omen as to what that game might be about, the icebreaker question that I've got for you is, what is a large, powerful machine that you might have been fascinated with at, at some point in your life?
1: I'm gonna say the Caledonian Sleeper which is an overnight train from London to well it goes either to Edinburgh or Fort William I have never taken it in my life Uh, it's very expensive but I love the idea of sleeper trains I'm a big Agatha Christie fan so I just desperately want to go on the Caledonian Sleeper pretend like I'm in a little hotel but actually it's a train go in the restaurant car and and maybe solve a murder yeah yeah (laughs) I,
0: I you know I love anything where I go on it hoping Ooh, it would be kind of cool if someone got murdered while i was here that would mm-hmm. just that would just make my day that is radical with, with that we're going to move on to our next guest and that is ben ben welcome to the show hello it is lovely to have you live in, instead of just uh <laughs> write, reading a script for us
2: yeah. No, that was a, that was a lot of fun. Thank you very much for letting me do that.
0: <laughs> well, I I will we'll work out uh, the next circumstance where we can get you to do something similar. But Ben, are, are there any plugs that you would like to share with our audience?
2: Uh yeah. So, game designer and actor and streamer. So, most of the work is through Rusty Quill and I'd like to plug so Stella Firma, which is a comedy sci-fi improv podcast I do with my brother, and I also stream with my brother on Twitch uh, under the channel called The Brothers Meredith. For for the spelling of Meredith, you can check the show notes because everyone gets it wrong. <laughs> but we we stream on Sundays. You can have a look at our schedule. But it's just some fun mucking about with my brother, which is nice.
0: Delightful. I know that uh, not only does your show have uh, Stella Firma have an endorsement from me, but my buddy Patrick Rothfuss recently was was talking about Stella Firma with me because I I turned him on to Magnus Archives, and he's like. Well, I'm just going to listen to everything these people do. And <laughs> it, it was funny because, like, I started listening to Stellar, and, you know, I, I listen on rotation to like different podcasts. So I'd like done a big stretch of Stellar, and he was like talking about what my life was two months ago, just as he was <laughs> recounting, like, and then this happens. Uh, it was a delight. So uh, definitely, heroes, check that out. Ben, what is a large, powerful machine? that drew your fascination for some time.
2: So asking that question, it took me a long, long time. Um, it's another train, and I thought it was a flying Scotsman, but actually, and somebody might be able to help me with this, there's this um, massive kind of blue futurist train that I can't remember the name of. It's called, like, the Blue Nightingale or something. But it's this incredible sort of Art Deco futurist locomotive um, that I was absolutely obsessed with when I was 10, but obviously not enough to remember the name of it. So <laughs> I was furiously Googling and couldn't find it. But but let's say the Flying Scotsman for now, because it's a great big green train, and that's brilliant. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, like, my spouse and I. I, I love... Traveling by train and we were looking up like, what, what is it? Are there any luxury train vacations in the United States? Spoiler alert. No, Uh, (laughs) there, there (laughs) technically are, but you have to own the car is the thing.
2: What? (laughs) Yeah. Right.
0: So we don't invest in rail infrastructure at all in in the US. Like whatever we developed in basically the 70s is kind of going to be it for us, especially as human civilization kind of comes to a grinding halt. But recently someone had the brilliant idea of, well, we have all of these wealthy people in the United States. What if we brought back luxury rail travel and we... Can't make new infrastructure because that might benefit other people in some way. So instead, (laughs) what we're doing is selling renovated rail cars to the ultra rich, and to the slightly less ultra rich, you can buy a timeshare in a luxury rail car. Of course. And just (laughs) demand it attached to whichever journey you would like to go on. Uh, It is wild, especially like when I looked up like, oh, these are luxury rail vacations that exist just a little bit to the north in Canada or over in Europe. And they all seem delightful and lovely. And this just seems indicative of our nightmarish hellscape that we happen to live in.
2: (laughs) That is the most American story (laughs) I've ever heard.
0: (laughs) Buddy, if I'm going to ride in a train, I'm going to own it delightful we'll move on to our next guest and that is johnny johnny welcome to the show
3: hello it's fantastic to be here
0: i'm so glad to have you we we got to hang out for like a very very short period of time when i was visiting london for my honeymoon but i am psyched to play a game with you
3: yeah i'm i'm very excited as well it's gonna be real good <laughs> well <but> let's <laughs> let's not make promises we can't uh, it's gonna be mediocre plus. it's gonna
4: be real good it's oh, gonna, that's bad. now now we're straying into <laughs> wow. the territory
0: of it being real good uh johnny do you have any plugs that you would like to share with our audience
3: so i should probably plug the magnus archives up front because i am the writer and sort of main uh, narrator uh, of that Uh, it feels a bit redundant because by the time this comes out this every pot it'll be like coming right to the finale finale but if you haven't checked it out do check it out i also uh, am the other half of mcguffin and company designing micro settings small games Mm -hmm. We also uh, have just started a podcast of our own, uh, monthly called "No One Wants to Hear Your RPG Stories," <laughs> uh, about which is uh, sort of player and GM advice uh, through the medium of RPG stories. And we also stream on Twitch at Mcguffin and Co. Uh, in fact, if you want to check out all our stuff, including some of our free micro settings and games, McguffinandCompany has links to basically everything we do.
0: Definitely recommend checking that out. Um, MacGuffin and Company. We're one of the games that we're playing is from the upcoming Ultimate Micro RPG book, and MacGuffin and Company is one of the first like people that I reached out to when I was trying to put together a team of like good designers. So they they have another game in in the Ultimate Micro RPG book as well. Uh, So if you want to tantalize yourself and kind of get familiar (laughs) with their work, please head over to uh, uh, com to look at their full catalog. Johnny, the same question to you. What is a large, powerful
3: machine that uh, drove uh, some fascination for you? it's actually also on the subject of the decline of america
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> Ooh, the is america was, itself all along yeah,
3: I'm, I'm so i'm so sorry uh like the only time i've ever i've ever crossed the atlantic uh, was for a few weeks when i was 15 16 uh, and we were going to visit some family friends up in the sort of the the rust belt area and right next to uh, like a few streets over from their house there was this huge old like no longer in use factory i think it was like a canning factory or a logging one but there was there were just these huge sort of machines or like engines just silent and rusting outside and i was absolutely enthralled by them just this idea of like this very symbolic of like industry and a certain idea of progress just stopped and Rusting,
0: Yeah, and is just sitting there. I, I went yeah. to college at Allegheny, which is a small school in Pennsylvania, but it is seated in Meadville, Pennsylvania, which used to be the tool and die capital of the world. Like most machined tools and whatnot would be exported from this county. And it is very striking to see the amount of like wealth and prosperity that was clearly a part of that area like a hundred years ago it is a very stark reminder because it is all you know shuttered factories and houses that are used to be quite nice and could use a new paint job and do not have the resources to have it but you know that's that's the world that we live in and it's you know i like to not think of it as an american decline it's just the the mask that we were wearing is slowly crumbling away and you can see the rotted thing inside (laughs)
3: <laughs> to be fair, there's plenty of industrial decay in the rotted husk of Britain as well. Mm. Uh, it's just none of it's quite stayed with me, because none of it that I've seen has been on quite the same scale as you sometimes get. Just because there's so much space. Well, yeah, exactly. We we like to scale everything up in size and
0: tragedy. That's like our quirky <laughs> thing, um, is that we try to do literally everything that Britain does just worse and larger.
1: Whereas we like to do everything that America does, but try and be polite about it. <laughs> uh, like,
3: no, we pretend we were polite about it. Yeah,
1: yeah it doesn't hide the horror, but um, you're just not allowed to make a facial expression while you do it.
0: Mm. We, we, we can move on, I think, from uh, the decline of <laughs> <Sorry>. empires. <hopefully. laughs> I, I, I literally don't think we can because that is one of the core themes of the game that we're playing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but I would like to introduce our last guest, and that is Anil. Anil, thank you so much for joining us. Well, oh, thank you very much for inviting me. I would like to know, is is there anything that you would like to plug for our audience?
4: Yes. Well, my friends have done a wonderful job in plugging most of the stuff that Rusty Quill does. I'm Rusty Quill's comms officer, but we also have a third podcast that we put out on a weekly basis, which is the Rusty Quill Gaming Podcast, actual play using the Pathfinder rules um, set in GM Alex's own other alternate history in 18 mumble mumble uh, (laughs) steam punky kind of (laughs) yeah uh, and this should be a soft sell to everybody
0: like if you enjoy one shot you will enjoy rusty quill gaming as well
4: i can guarantee that and in addition to that i'm also a streamer i am one of the co-hosts on rq streams which you can find at twitch.tv forward slash rusty underscore quill we couldn't unfortunately get the combined neighbors had already been taken. We put out three shows at least a week. You check our schedule for that yeah playing a variety of games mostly on the introductory tutorial kind of like get people into the world of gaming uh, as well oh cool so is is that uh, mostly like tabletop games or is it like uh no video games and a variety of other things so like helen has done baking we've had one of our editors show off music skills uh, uh, and things like that it's a it's a real variety channel oh that's radical i love that definitely folks check
0: that out Anil, I I need to know, what is a large, powerful machine that drove some fascination for you at one point in your life?
4: Okay, this is going to sound really odd and really geeky, but it is a concrete mixer. Ooh. But, because... All of my fascination with machines when I was a kid came from watching Transformers. Uh, so (laughs) Concrete Mixer in particular because there was one Constructicon and one Autobot, Mixmaster and Quick Mix, who were scientists who mixed up really volatile and weird things in the barrels of their concrete mixer forms. And so I was always fascinated by this. And then it really pained me when I realised that concrete mixers only mix concrete (laughs) and don't do all this (laughs) zany, mad science. Uh,
0: (laughs) I'm trying to, I'm trying to decide if that is like the Transformers equivalent of drugs. Like <laughs> we're
4: using possibly <laughs> using. I mean, quick mixer yeah. to do
3: like anything that's not concrete is suspicious. I mean, I think the lesson is that most building sites
4: are cowards. <laughs>
0: <laughs> absolutely,
4: absolutely. OSHA, what's OSHA? Health and safety. Ah, oh, what's that? <laughs>
0: don't need that thank you not here not ever
2: <laughs> also i've managed to recall the name of that train i was trying to think of and by recall i mean quietly googled it's called the the <laughs> mallard which is one of the most oh yeah 1930s uh, british mallard. names ever but yeah it's great I'm
1: writing that down for later it looks so cool and it's blue it's great <laughs> <laughs>
2: anything that
0: can be a bold color is good i really like concrete and, and and cement mixers as as a choice i also i love anytime i learn anything about transformers lore it like <laughs> it really makes you realize how strange this property is oh, that is like
4: it it's really weird especially when you like transformers i mean most people don't remember that it was actually a marvel property to start with wow. uh, uh, they were the ones who put out the comics originally, and like the fact that the US and the UK runs of the comics are remarkably different. The U- it's one of the few comic properties where the UK run is longer and more detailed than the US run. Wow, that's yeah. interesting. I, uh, <laughs> I was very into Transformers, <laughs> so I am a font of useless information about the uh, about the show, mainly like the original cartoon and the movie. And then having nightmares about what Michael Bay did to the franchise, mm, yeah, <laughs> as I'm sure most fans do. <laughs> no, I've I've heard the newer runs of comics are quite
0: good. That that
4: I've heard that as well. Like IDW apparently have done a very good job in recapturing some of the heart of what Transformers was. Unfortunately, I haven't had the time to catch up on on a lot of it. Uh, well, there you have it, folks. Don't listen
0: to or, or seek out the work of the independent creators that we're talking to today. Instead, head over and just look up the most recent Transformers stuff and have some fun with that. We are about to play Hammer of the Earth, which, you know what? I, I, I am on a call with the people who designed this game, so I'll give you an opportunity to introduce what it is about before we get started. Yeah. Why think, not you, Ben? Um, <laughs> it's, uh, it was
3: you emailed us the pitch, so I think it's, I think it's only fair. Fair enough.
2: Um, yes, uh, it is a game about uh, a gargantuan train with the last vestiges of very inverted commas civilization on it, and it is dying. You have three days of fuel left, and if you stop moving, the train is consumed by something called the creeping ruin which breaks apart and destroys technology and artificial objects. So, yeah, you're playing the, the people who all the hopes of the train are on, and you have to go out and find fuel before the train runs out and goes cold.
0: Radical. So there are that like there's a little bit of character creation stuff that we're gonna do right now, and this will kind of give our audience an idea of the flow of the game. Be aware, though, audience, that this is edited, so any gaps of silence uh, have been removed. So you are going to be playing the outriders. Outriders, like we said, are folks who have to depart from the train uh, to locate fuel sources. And you have two great characters. Uh, We've got to pick core traits for y'all. Everybody has the core traits, mind, body, and spirit. And then each of you is going to pick a faction. And the factions that we have are the Stokers. Their job is to keep the boiler hot. The Potentia. They manipulate the forces of fire, pressure, steam, and electricity.
2: The Hammers. Oh, what's that? Actually, uh, one thing I was going to mention, the Potentia Materia and Naturia bullet points are supposed to be indented. It is, in fact, the Stokers, the Hammerers, and the Ruiners are the factions, and Potentia Materia and Naturia are the abilities that come with choosing one of those factions. So the Stokers use Potentia, the Hammerers use Materia, and the Ruiners use Naturia.
0: Oh my god, I hope the publisher got those notes in time.
4: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> when i um, opened well, up i was like
0: oh okay uh,
4: um. <laughs> uh, so day one errata <laughs> yeah th- i mean th-
0: that literally might be the case uh w- right now we are looking at the proof copy of the pdf which changes were sent to the publisher months ago i believe the books <clears> already <throat> exist so heroes if you were looking at the book and going This seems wrong. Uh, That's because it is.
1: That's
0: (laughs) the wonderful world of of publishing an RPG with a major publisher that hasn't done an RPG before. It's like (laughs) sometimes (laughs) things fall through the cracks there. So actually, in that case, maybe it is better to go, go down the line and just listen to everybody's choices that are are made properly. So, let's start off uh Ben w- with you, what choices have you made for for your character?
2: So, I would like to go uh with a hammerer. So, my job or my the, the job of the faction is to keep the engine running and I have the trait of Materia, which is to manipulate ancient technology and the built world. So that is effectively a fourth trait that I add to mind, body, and spirit. Very cool. Uh,
0: n- next up, uh, Sasha, what, what choices would you like for, y- for your Outrider?
1: I would like to go for uh, being one of the Stokers. So I would like to be manipulating forces of fire, pressure, steam, and electricity. Mm. And my trait will be Potentia. Mm. So, Potentia is about manipulating energy, like, having that potential for destruction or creation or movement, like, manipulating that force. Right, right, right.
0: Okay, okay. Johnny, how about you? What choices have you made?
3: I think I'm also going to be a hammerer. Depends on how Ben wants to interpret Materia, but I'm thinking of it in much more of a, like, fine detail, like... I've been picturing someone, like, kind of... Small and a bit ratty,
2: <laughs> so I think I'm gonna pick materia as well. Okay, so I'll be more of a sledgehammerer, and you can be uh, yeah.
3: yeah. I like. I'm one of those like. I'm one of those like tiny little <laughs> ding, 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 <laughs> hammers.
2: <laughs> That's good. I,
0: I like there being kind of a subclass system within hammerers of. Well, physically, you're kind of a little ratty man and you're a large tower of meat and sinew, (laughs) so we're going to separate you into sledge and, like, ball pin.
4: Um, (laughs) Great. And Anil, what, what about you? I will take the one that we are missing. I will be a ruiner, so my job is to keep the citizens fed with the power of Naturia, where I manipulate the organic world and living things we'll see how that played out. Yeah, yeah. I can I can see that going pretty
0: wild. So now we need y'all to pick names, motivation, and relationships. We'll need you to name the Outrider, think about who they are, why they became an Outrider specifically instead of, I imagine, other things that you could do on the train. And the relationship that you have to the other outriders i don't think we need to name one relationship for each other outriders i I think just pick two outriders that that you have relationships with your relationships don't need to match up ben you could decide that you are very good friends with johnny and johnny you could decide that you hate ben's guts uh you know (laughs) relationships are two-way streets but they're sometimes moving in opposite directions So, with that, let's return to Sasha. Sasha, do you have a name for your Outrider yet?
1: I do have a name. It's Blade Hammerswell. Yes. Yes. But it's literally only just now occurred to me that that might get a little confusing, given that there (laughs) is a different kind of player called Hammerer.
3: I think it's also going. To be, I think it's going to be fine, actually. Don't worry about it.
0: Yeah, that, that's good. And like, I, I have to imagine those are common names uh, on on the hammer. So, <laughs> this is very good. And why did Blade decide to become an outrider?
1: Uh, so Blaze decided to become an outrider simply because of an all-consuming passion for fire, just a real fascination with the glow of the coals. I like that. And the camaraderie of the engine. And
0: especially because, I mean, the hammer uh, of the earth is this large train. It is a controlled machine. So in my mind, there are probably electric lights uh, that we're dealing with. So probably the only place you can see fire is like in the wild outside the train or in the engine room itself where you've got the burning furnace. So this is probably the only way you can really interact with fire is by taking on this role.
1: Yeah, I like to think of it that way as well. Like everything inside the train being kind of almost clinical, like shabby, but clinical Mm -hmm. because it's just got to be whatever's most practical. And then when you get into the engine room, it's like this roaring blaze
0: yeah i mean like if a train car catches fire that's kind of it for like your civilization if that gets out of control (laughs) you're done that you're not replacing that car very very cool and i will let everyone do a cycle around before we get to relationships so let's let's go on to ben ben what is your character's name and why did they decide to become an outrider
2: so my name is titanium stack yes and i was born with a hammer in my hand (laughs) from a very young age it was always my dream to be an outrider the people who who keep the train safe uh, keep the hammer of the earth safe it's effectively these these people are heroes the last line of defense between the last running machine and just complete ruin so yeah i've realized my life's ambition by becoming an outrider finally i'd like to think that i'm quite new to this job and still maybe with the the gloss of you know the, the the fame and the the prestige that comes with being an outrider and i haven't yet understood the grim reality potentially of what is happening right now
0: I like this a lot. The The question that I have for you based on that is, did you want to become an Outrider as as part of a family tradition? Or are, are you kind of the first in in your family? Or are there even families on this train?
2: Hmm. Yeah, I like the idea of there, there, there being families because everyone has to live so close with each other. I mean, mm-hmm. effectively, in my head, obviously, this is a, a two-page RPG, so there's not too much detail we've been able to go into but in my head it's very much like submarine living because you're mm. f- fitting 10,000 people per car so there's got to be very very like tight knit groups who live in close proximity effectively as like pods and then there are multiple pods in parts of a carriage and the whole carriage makes up the whole thing and then it's all the hammer of the earth so there's this kind of onion layer of communities so I'm the first in my family like it's uh, the family is a family of hammerers and that's the expectation and yeah, it's 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 novel for a member of my family, of the Stack family, um, to become an outrider.
0: I have but one final question, and that is: Are there any living outriders who are in the Stack family? Do people retire from this role, or does it kind of grind them up?
2: Not usually. There are definitely no living <laughs> Stack outriders apart from me.
0: Mm this is good god i love a civilization that grooms you for this like grim terrible (laughs) job and just throws you right into it oh that's that's great let's let's uh, move forward to johnny johnny what is your character's name going to be and why did they become an outrider
3: i'm going to be playing dead piston his motivation is to prove himself because he is small loves to tinker and everyone kind of hates him because he keeps tinkering with things and kind of breaking them (laughs) and basically to him like he doesn't actually want to be an outrider but he's kind of ended up in a position where uh it's kind of that where he's worried he's going to get thrown off the train Mm. Uh, so he's very much (laughs) trying to prove his worth
0: yeah i like the idea that you know you can either sign up to be an outrider and enlist or you get conscripted as a punishment
3: yeah like it's i i I don't feel like it was an active conscription as much as like super heavily implied (laughs) oh i yeah i like that even better is like you have to opt into it like I feel like all these factions are very like like each faction's like a clan with all its own like internal weird politics. And like I think Dead Piston was, like, definitely not given an ultimatum, that he definitely didn't have to sign up as an outrider. It just, you know, might be an idea for him to get out for a while.
0: Oh, this is interesting. Then the question that I have for you is, do you think your clan made you do this because of things that you did uh, to them? Or do you think they kind of forced you into this based on trying to appease another faction for something that you've done? I think
3: probably a bit of both. I think I probably overstepped with uh, another faction and there was basically no one in the hammers who was going to go to bat for me. Yeah,
0: Then I, because we have all of the factions represented, who did you upset?
3: Oh, definitely the ruiners. Uh, I think I kept (laughs) stealing food. Perfect. And probably caused some sort of, like, minor disaster. It might have been like, oh, you're using this sort of mechanism to store the grain. Hold on, let me just tinker with it. Oh, no, it's dumped like
4: three sacks of grains yeah <laughs> 100 yeah 100 people's yeah, worth of grain just that, yeah. off into flew the, off uh, the train off into, into the,
3: into the underground i yeah. love it
0: i love it that that's gonna give us a good excuse for tension that brings us to ano ano what is your character's name and what uh, made them decide to become an outrider
4: so i am arjun the food scientist Who has recently taken on the name of Leaf Stiller on joining the Outriders, uh, because it was determined by his faction that his talents uh, for, you know, ensuring that like hydroponics and the the food supplies that you are that we are trying to grow uh, were not overly invested with like weeds or blight or anything like that, and that could be to be turned to the creeping ruin and the things that beset us. Uh, right. So he has taken on uh, the role of using his scientific capabilities uh, to effectively fight fire with fire against the creeping ruin and keep, keep exterior natural forces at bay as well through uh, potion and blade. <laughs> I like
0: this a lot. You, I think you've also uh, revealed to us another detail for the setting, which is it seems like the only people that get the right to surnames are people who decide to become outriders because you you got leaf stiller as as an outrider title which is
4: radical i like that a a title which came along with a shiny white coat Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) i like the idea that it's not an official thing it's just that leaf stiller has been like i'm an outrider now call me leaf stiller
0: You know, I think it must have been there was somebody in history who had, like, <laughs> enough charisma and cachet to pull that off. So now everyone kind of does it, and sometimes yeah. it works out. And, uh, you know, sometimes we, we've we got uh, Johnny, your character, whose first name is Dead,
3: which I love, and then they're just <laughs> what, like, like, you're like... don't... <laughs> I quite like the idea that, like, because both the hammerers... Are basically named after things mm-hmm. uh, whereas like the the stoker has like a very has like a first name surname but it's very sort of it has a real sort of family feel mm-hmm. and the ruiners sort of choose their own name when they uh, like yeah that that feel I, I like i like that the different factions have different naming i have naming to say traditions. this is this
2: is one thing i really like about like the two the two page or the restricted rpg because we have to leave so such massive gaps in the setting that you can just fill them in in character creation like there's a lot of hidden character creation beyond just what we've written down which is just really cool because like somebody's version of this game is gonna look completely different to ours
0: yeah, I mean, I that that is a thing that I I love about micro RPGs in general. Uh, just because, like, I, I mean, especially a game like this where you have such a solid premise to rip off of. Like, half of the game starts with this wild world building that you get to do. It is very good, uh, Anil. the The other question that I have for you is kind of a, like, interior world question. Like, you had mentioned that, you know, what you are cultivating plants on the train in order to feed people. Is there a danger that those plants will start to act like the creeping ruin if they are not cultivated properly?
4: I think there is very much a case of that. The, uh, the exterior environment... Uh has a tendency to pervade the interior carriages, uh, uh, and that is why people like Arjun and the Leafsteel are also necessary to, to combat uh, to take a very active role against nature when it is necessary
0: I kind of think that the Creeping Ruin not only like it, it destroys technology and, and, and progress and whatnot, uh, but it is like aggressive in a way that, that feels almost sapient I think it can if it were to breach the train in, in some way it could corrupt crops that are on the train and make it so that like if you eat grain that has been touched by the creeping ruin it will probably grow inside your body and kill you so there
3: are propaganda posters. Yeah. That's lovely. I mean, horrible, but lovely. Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah. It, like the, there are different manifestations of the creeping ruin. Like there's the obvious. Well, it will physically come and grab the train and overrun everything. But there is also that more insidious thing that the uh, that the ruiners keep at bay through their through their skills and their out and their talented outriders. Uh,
3: I also feel like every probably. Every faction, but even within each faction, like there are so many different theories as to what the ruin is, and like people, like a lot. I think a lot of people believe that the ruin is like an antagonist, a thinking antagonistic force, mm-hmm. uh, whereas others are just like it's just weird nature. It's just something. Like, <laughs> it's just radiation yeah (laughs) well i I think
0: like the ruiners definitely probably have that more scientific (laughs) and detached perspective where you know based on your factions you you probably have different feelings about it like i have to imagine hammers because they're so concerned with machines and tools like have a much more
3: this is a thinking antagonist like perspective yeah i think they're quite superstitious about the creeping ruin
0: this is radical. I, I am picturing, especially in the ruiners like cars, there are these propaganda posters that are like human beings with flowers and vines sprouting from their mouths and noses Ooh, I like that just that. say yeah. things like, be precise and check twice. <laughs> like there's just this printed body horror propaganda
3: poster like contingent all over the train i'm thinking of like uh you know there's very sort of stylized like hazard labels uh where it's like i I don't know if if you have the same ones over in uh america as we do here but things like uh, if something is toxic or shouldn't be dumped uh down the drain there's like a picture of like dead fish or something like that on it but like this very stylized one i really like the idea that there's this sort of blocky symbol which is like a human figure but with a flower where the head is yes (laughs) just as like be like beware ruin
0: (laughs) i i like that too and i kind of think the color palette is very drab but outside you know the world is extremely verdant and you know growing Mm. with i I have to imagine like these hyper color like bits of, of of flora and probably even extends to the fauna too where we see animals that are intermixed with with plants and whatnot so i feel like color is kind of the threat in this world like what is drab is familiar and good and what is colorful is like deeply threatening and troublesome Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the midroll. Heroes, if you have been enjoying this week's episode and you're thinking, man, I would love to play this game, I have great news for you. It is part of the Ultimate Micro RPG book, which is coming out very soon. There was a little bit of a delay in shipping it out because of COVID, but it should be hitting stores on December 8th, so you still have time to pre-order it. And if you're interested in this book, I really, really hope you pre-order it, because the more people we have pre-ordering this book, the more retailers know people are interested in it, which ultimately means my publisher will be happy, and hopefully uh, I will get a major publisher to make more RPGs. We're playing the long game here. Uh, So if you're interested in this, please head to bit.ly/ultimatemicroRPG and get yourself a copy. It's available at any online retailer you can imagine, at all major booksellers and at your local brick and mortar. Just ask them for the Ultimate Micro RPG book by James Damato and it should pop right up. Heroes last week was a lot. Uh I am glad that we are here on the other side of it. I I think For the most part, I'm just going to take a week, uh, but One Shot is going to be doing some fundraising stuff coming up, uh, politically oriented fundraising stuff coming up. I just want to let people know, uh, make you aware so that you can keep an eye out for it uh, and get ready for some more activism from this network. Before we get back to the show, a huge thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon. We would not be able to make this show or any of the other wonderful programs here on the OneShot Network without your help. If you like what you're hearing, please head over to patreon.com oneshotpodcast podcast and sign up to be a backer. That gets you access to all sorts of really cool bonus content, and it keeps the network afloat. Now, with all that out of the way, let's get back to the show.
3: I like the idea like the only the only color that is valorized is the bright orange of the flame yes. because that's the only sort that you don't really see in the in the outside world Ev- like everything is like metal and drab and like maybe uh, like a dull like dull pre- o- olive- yeah ochres yeah.
4: and, and khaki and that th- that kind of uh, color gunmetal is uh, is yeah. very prevalent Good.
1: Lots of orange sulfur lighting. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yes!
0: Of course that's what the lights mm, the look orange like. Orange sulfur lighting.
2: <sighs> I also love the invocation, uh, James, that you, you added that like each faction has its own car, and each car has its own <laughs> like flavor to it.
0: Yeah, it might even be that each faction has like a set of cars. Like cuz uh, the, then the mm. you know the, this I think we had mentioned uh, one one of us had mentioned that there are 10,000 people to a car. So the civilization uh, aboard Hammer of the Earth the Hammer of the Earth could just be well, this is like 30,000 people, about 10,000 from each faction and whoever is ha- like from all the different factions has to go to the engine car and move the engine car or it could be like a much longer train with cars kind of like intermixed and divided being a bit more chaotic i i don't know which idea i like better
2: the other thing i've got is that potentially the stoker's car is the engine itself and they've built themselves Mm. around the boiler because that's their area of expertise that's good i like that a lot
0: man which which means like because the the stokers like are also dealing with kind of some of the 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 lighting and and heat mechanics like occasionally they have to get dispatched from car to car like i love the idea that people have to move from car to car and
3: it's always a big to do i like the idea also that every car because like the scale of this is so huge like i don't like i don't think we've actually talked about how big the tracks themselves would have Mm. to be but like I'm th- like the width of the track would like for this number of people would have to be like what half a mile wide yeah or like just something in- yeah insane. the scale so, like, is uh... yeah so i really like the idea that like every individual wheel and like huge piston has to have its own like dedicated boiler room mm-hmm. so God, you have like good. in every car like you have a small group of Stokers so like most of them are are up the front of the train but they're like
4: exclaves of the Stoker car in everything in everything else you think we could we could go we could delve so far down like what is like diplomatic immunity between factions and <laughs> do you need pa- do you need passes and papers to get between cars? Are we going
2: to play sir? the game or is it just three episodes of world building? Because like I'm fine with either, right? We, we, we don't have to go that part.
4: We do have to,
0: I think, move on to decide what the relationship <laughs> oh. is between people and we can't keep building the world of the train because literally the whole game is going to happen off the train. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah. we just we just turned this we just this into microscope here. that's true that is true
3: <laughs> to be fair this is the best bit of game or setting design is when you're just like
0: oh and oh, what about this weird thing uh, it's it's very good it's it's very good and i i think the audience definitely has an indication of the amount of freedom that that they're going to get when, when they pick up this game But let's
1: move back to Sasha. Who
0: does Blade have uh, pre-existing relationships with? And what are they?
1: So I really liked the idea that Johnny came up with about there being little pockets of Stoker society in the different carriages, Mm -hmm. you know, to fund the boiler rooms for the Pistons or, or something like that. And I think it'd be really cool if it was like a sort of conscription system that you have to do for a year or two when you're young like you have to go and be camped out in one of the other camp one of the other carts for a while before you come back so i have decided that blaze has been camped out into the hammer cart and so we'll vaguely know titanium stack and johnny is it dead piston dead piston piston yeah Uh, like a piston but it's dead Thank you for that clarification. Yeah, so I think, <laughs> I think that they would have like a sort of friendly colleague acquaintance level relationships with those two.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, I think uh, we can decide right now: are, are are they both kind of going to be friendly, or you're? familiar with both of them we can lend a little bit more of a quality to that because you know these are the people that you're about to leave the train with you probably have some emotion or feeling about the fact that one person is someone who has never done this before and has a bunch (laughs) of stars in their eyes about it and the other is kind of a screw-up who doesn't have a very good (laughs) reputation
1: i think that with titanium stack Blazers, very much like yes come and join the outriders like it's a great life we're all getting well it's it's a life it's an experience and we're all (laughs) getting along with the experience together and with uh dead piston is a lot more like oh god why are you here
0: (laughs) perfect let's move on to ben and titanium Mm
2: -hmm. who
0: do you think uh titanium has relationships with
2: So I think that, yeah, definitely has a positive relationship with Blaze because they're a stoker and Titanium is so kind of enamored with just the idea and the myth of the train that the Mm -hmm. fact that they keep it alive is so incredible and exciting. Mm -hmm. And then what Sasha established about maybe like being encouraged to join the Outriders just even more kind of enhances that kind of hero worship status they have for them.
0: That's great. I
4: love it.
2: And then for the second one, anno sorry, is your character's name like
4: Arden? Arjun Arjun. A-R-A-R-J-U-N.
2: For Arjun is not like has kind of a a wary respect because the ruiners freak them the hell out to the point where <laughs> like how some people don't like eat like some people who eat meat don't like eating meat that looks too much like an animal titanium doesn't like eating vegetables that look too much like vegetables because it's like that's the ruin that's oh no the organic world uh. so the fact that arjun deals entirely with this is like you terrify me but i understand how necessary you are but also keep it away oh oh no (laughs)
0: oh gosh yeah like what if all of the food on the train is kind of blended and pressed into like protein bars and whatnot and they are all shaped like gears and wheels (laughs) that's just
3: what everyone has to eat (laughs) i just kind of assumed it was a slurry
4: (laughs) i think ben probably wants to get away from slurry (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) Well, I like, I, lo- I love the idea of, like, cog-shaped biscuits, not rations, mm. ratchets. Mm. <laughs>
0: God.
4: <laughs> oh, that's neat. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah, That must
0: mean, like, some of the older outriders, like, kind of tease you occasionally about, like, oh, when you get out into the outside world, you're going to have to forage, and there's nothing shaped
2: like a <laughs> gear out there. I I love the idea that maybe that is my biggest fear. Not being killed or anything, it's like having to eat outside food. (sighs) That's good.
0: Ooh, that's very, very good.
3: I'm I'm just for some reason I'm just imagining a tradition where like in a batch of like cog biscuits, one of them has like a little a little metal nut, like baked into (laughs) it. And whoever gets the whoever gets the nut is like (laughs) I don't know king of the (laughs) festival where well, which happens every time they've done a full rotation of the earth i <laughs>
0: kind of like the idea I, I i mean i really love lottery system things but instead of, like, tying it to a festival time, oh. let's just say, like, every time meal rations are distributed, like, one, one or two biscuits, like, have the nut in them. I, like, there's part of me that's like, ooh, let's go a little Shirley Jackson on this and it's bad somehow. Like, ooh, that person has to give some blood
3: so we can feed the plants.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or you go to Billy Bonker's Chimney Factory. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you haven't drawn the short straw, you bit the nut. oh
0: yes 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 (laughs) yeah i I, like and i don't think they kill you i think they just drain like a pint of blood from you so you come back woozy and whatnot
4: yeah the ruiners need to need to need to assess what their latest upgrades to rations have done to the actual physiology of uh uh, of the people who oh, are no testing. I wonder if everyone's terrified of <laughs> the room. Oh, I love it! Ooh, very,
2: very good. Uh, Anna, you were talking about transformers, mad science before. I feel like that's wrapped yeah, off. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I
4: feel that that has informed my character. A tad.
0: <laughs> Johnny, let, let's move on to Dead Piston. Who do you have relationships with?
3: So, Dead Piston grew up with Titanium Stack, mm-hmm. though Titanium Stack probably like never really noticed him. I I, like. I get the impression that like Titanium Stack was always like the golden boy of like this of like their particular enclave of hammers. Yeah, you're probably being compared to Titanium. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And so like Titanium Stack probably doesn't actually know who Dead Piston is, but Dead Piston definitely knows who Titanium Stack is, and is kind of thinks that they're (laughs) a bit of an idiot because they're like, "Yes, I'm going to go be an Outrider." (laughs)
0: you were saying that literally the day before you were pressured into becoming an outrider
3: did you hear about titanium stack what an idiot (laughs) yeah and knows leaf stiller because i think leaf stiller was the one who caught him causing the accident which ended up with dead piston being encouraged to become an outrider (laughs) he blames leaf still a little bit but is also kind of embarrassed because he was like caught messing around we could make this even
0: more complicated i i like i'm trying to think <laughs> through punishment systems whenever you are dealing with a society that is uh kind of a closed system society where people are one of the resources that are scarce like the original U.S. colonies, a lot of their punitive systems were humiliation-based because, like, you can't jail mm-hmm. people because that's just a drain on very scarce resources, and you can't kill people because you do actually need them to do vital jobs within your community. So a lot of it is service-based or or humiliation-based, like like the the stocks or what have you. I kind of like the mm-hmm. idea that with what you did, the ruiners kind of had the option of, well, that person just needs to be used for experiments for a short period of time. And <laughs> kind of like, I, I think Arjun might have even like. said st- I was sorry. Stuck, Flavor they, test. They, they stuck their neck out <laughs> and were like, mm, actually, they should just be an outrider. They should learn mm. about service because if we just take from their body. They're not going to improve at all.
3: So what if if Lee still had already volunteered and like was like hey we we're, we're going out riding how about this kid joins us. Yeah. yeah. So Dead Piston is like kind of thankful <laughs> but also kind of blames them. <laughs> I
4: love Yeah, I like This that.
0: this is very good. So Anil, what what about Arjun? What is
4: So I think like reciprocal on that relationship with Dead Piston. Arjun dislikes Dead Piston on the grounds of he caused an enormous amount of hassle for our faction with the loss of supplies and such. And so he's, he's got that, yes, Dead Piston is, is, is useful, but in a way that we're going to make this as difficult for him uh, rather than outright, uh, not outright deadly, but it, as you say, that we can't afford to lose people, yeah make it difficult for him
0: yeah well i I, the question i think that i have for you is does arjun have like a purpose for piston on this particular journey is there something that like there's a reason that i asked for uh Mm -hmm. this person a potentially disposable outrider or what have you
4: wow Um, (laughs) i think a lot of uh, this is going to sound really I don't know how bad this is going to sound.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Always a great start.
4: That kind of like utilitarianism that I feel is probably like pervasive on this in this kind of environment, <laughs> and it's just yes, his purpose isn't nece- isn't to get killed, but it is to be a shield, almost to be the front line, to be the the one who encounters things first, and we see how he responds. Uh, almost, uh, I like that. I like t- test subject is probably <laughs> the in inverted commas yep. uh, what we are looking at here.
0: I mean, I, I kind of feel like that is just a ruiner mindset. Like,
4: yeah, like we we probably always need like the outside world changes from time to time. We need we periodically need to assess how outriders. Uh, cope with new and changing environments and that unfortunately may lead to some losses but we need to know how it affects them in the first place like there is a, there is a very there is a very like um intimate concern for the good of the people mm-hmm. here but wrapped up in like very complex uh ideas of he actually caused us problems so therefore he is actually good for this but we don't really want to
0: yeah yeah no it is like you have to be grateful for for these unruly people because otherwise we would f- have to feel quite bad about the things that are necessary for progress
3: yeah. <laughs> that said i think that outriders technically have no like that within an outrider party there's no official hierarchy no so no, like, of
4: course not.
3: it's very much it's very much like that's kind of how Margins like Leaf Stiller sees it and Dead Piston's like, well, when we're on the roads, we'll have to just wait and see. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I, I like that. I think if there is kind of a hierarchy, it is determined by faction. Like like you default to faction first. If you're dealing with a plant, you're probably listening to a ruiner. If you're dealing with a machine, you're, you're probably listening to a hammer. And if you're dealing with like systems and power, it's, it's gotta be a stoker, which has to make these expeditions the most chaotic inter-faction <laughs> bullshit like imaginable which has to play a major role in the death rate but there cannot be any faction that is even remotely interested in giving an inch of power just to protect people yeah.
2: I mean hey there's a reason we've only got 3 days of fuel left, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you
0: cannot be the first outrider party that that has been sent out. You're you're not even the fifth outrider party that has been sent out. And I think as the pressure increases as as parties keep failing to come back, like that is only exacerbating this problem. It isn't actually fixing anything.
4: Yeah. And I think for my 2nd we'll be with Blaze. Um, and it's very healthy respect for the important job that Blaze and the Stokers do. Blaze has gone out and served some time in other yeah. uh, cars, and we had a very good working relationship when we had to interact. Arjun has nothing but the highest of respect and praises for Blaze. Excellent. Well, with that, we have made all of our characters...
0: Music in this episode of OneShot was provided by Scott Buckley under a Creative Commons International 4.0 license. The main theme is Beautiful Oblivion. Other music includes Emergent, Signal to Noise, Helios, and Catalyst. This
3: episode of OneShot
0: was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work online at TheOtherTracy. Well, heroes, that's it for OneShot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with more Hammer of the Earth. In the meantime, be sure to check out some of the other great gaming shows here on the OneShot Network. Like A Horror Borealis. A Horror Borealis is an actual play Monster of the Week podcast set in the 1990s in the fictional town of Revenant, Alaska, just south of the nation's least visited national park and way north of everything else. A reclusive small game hunter with a magical secret, a young anarchist librarian with a passion for conspiracy theory, and a sensible park ranger with a strong local book club following find themselves pulled together by common threads woven mysteriously into their past when monsters begin plaguing their tiny community. But they soon discover the things they're fighting run much deeper and much closer to home. Tune in for a story about identity, empathy, community, mental illness, and healing. And stay for the beloved local diner. You can find A Horror Borealis on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. As always, we end one shot with a call to action. And folks, I have all sorts of feelings about the election. I think Megan Dornbrock put it really eloquently in a tweet when she said, This is a win. It's not victory. But it is a win, and that does feel good. That's where I am too. On Tuesday, it kind of felt like we were sitting on the edge of a cliff. And we did not go over that cliff. There's still a long way to go and a lot of work to do to get us away from that edge, but we are not over the cliff, and it is okay to feel good about that. I'm already looking ahead to the runoff Senate elections in Georgia. Getting those seats is going to be really important to ensure that Anything useful gets through Congress in the next couple years, and I'm going to make it part of this network's mission to support that effort in whatever way we can. After the 2016 election, One Shot started doing these calls to action. And even though the outcome of that election is what inspired us to engage with politics more explicitly as part of this network and motivate all of our listeners to do the same... It's not going away now that we got rid of Donald Trump. Our commitment to doing these calls to action, our commitment to any sort of political activism, is part of our commitment to you. The core mission statement of the OneShot Network is to make role-playing games more accessible and inclusive. And part of that means the environment of the world needs to be more inclusive. So, we're going to take whatever power and influence we have, and we're going to put it to good use. Thank you so much for staying with us. Thank you to everyone who, after I talked about an issue here on the show in the past four years, has gone out and contacted their representative. Uh, Thank you to everyone who has registered and voted. Thank you to everyone who has gone the extra mile and either donated their time or money to a political cause that they believe in. I believe in building a better world, and I can't do that alone. And the way I'm trying to make it happen is to have you all work with me. c-o-s-m dot com. Finally, that music which is right now swelling up over my voice is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, Heroes.